Hey, hey, and welcome to another podcast, Valley Sunday. I am one of your hosts, Chris Paco. And I'm your other host, Jeff Cameron. How's it going, Jeff? Super great. How about you, Paco? Good, man. Good, good. Excited to get into this one here. Yeah, man. I've been looking forward to this one, too. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one. Not a funny one, but it's a, it stands out definitely among fans, for sure. It's a fairy yes. tale. Episode number 48, directed by James Frawley, written by Peter Meyerson, Paul Mazursky, and Neil Burstyn, together again, and originally aired on January 8th, 1968. So uh, we open up with a town crier type dude. He's blowing into a horn and then he starts choking. This is Regis Cordic is his name in real life. Uh, He addresses the camera and says that once upon a time there were four men. Says Mike, who introduces himself as the cobbler. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm the cobbler. <laughs> Davy, who introduces himself as the tailor. Hi, I'm Davy, and I'm the tailor. <laughs> Mickey, who is the innkeeper. Hi, I'm Mickey, and I'm the innkeeper. And Peter, who is out of work. <laughs> Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm out of work. <laughs> Poor Pete. <laughs> I like the uh, the uneasy little chuckles from. Uh... For Mike and Davey, when they introduce themselves, kind of adds to the community theater vibe. Yeah. Here in this uh, suspiciously low budget set of theirs today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I was, I was wondering, like, how much did Frank Zappa charge them to be in the, next, the one episode <laughs> there? They had to really cut back on a couple others. Yeah. So the town crier says the reason he's out of work is because of the princess, and he's so in love with her that he just can't get a job. That's a good excuse, I think, <laughs> just to tell you some woman, like, I can't work. I'm just in love with you, baby. You got to go to work for us. I can't do it. I love you too I, much. <laughs> I think you've used that in the past, Paco. <laughs> I have. I've tried it. They've never gone for it. <laughs> just like, get a job, you slug. <laughs> so the boys tell him that he has to get over the princess because she's, she's high class and he's not. And Peter says that he'd cut off his right arm for her. And they hear some, vo- some horses and then they all say, hark. And it's like, cut off the right arm. I thought we were going to get like a, some kind of joke with that. But it was just like, nope, he, would just, he just loves her that much. Or it would pay off later in some little callback way. But I, I don't think it does. Yeah, it's weird. When you see the horses, they're just uh, like two-dimensional paintings, essentially. And we, we <laughs> see the horse and carriage, and the carriage is the same. Like, it's just like a, some plywood painted like a carriage. And yep. the, the horses are just like these, like almost like paper mache kind of things. These guys sit in, and then their legs are the horses' legs, and these fake little legs up top. Yeah, I think those are the a couple of the monkeys' stand-ins who have been recruited to uh, beat the horses. And uh, yeah, you can tell there's this definite um, a, a high school community theater vibe to the set. <laughs> Decoration and construction is very simple. Uh, sharp-eyed monkey viewers may recognize. This set as where they shot the music vid- videos, quote unquote, for um, let's say she and uh, Papa Jean's Blues and the early versions of Valerie and uh, Words. So yeah. uh, good tunes, good monkeys karma in this room. I think good yeah. monkey karma. I wonder if it's just been sitting vacant for all the season two, and they're like, "Hey, let's do this thing. We got that whole room there. <laughs> it does nothing anymore. You know, it's just it's, just, it's stuffed with wool toques." And uh, or it's stuffed with wool hats and uh, eight button shirts that they don't wear anymore either. So, yep. <laughs> so there's a oh yeah. And also there's a sign by the fake wheels that says mud with an arrow pointing to the bottom of the wheels, so we know that the carriage is stuck in mud. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, Bob Burt, is there a mud in the budget? No. No. Okay. No. Well, we'll just make a sign. Yeah. You know what? There's you know what there's in the budget for a piece of Bristol board and a marker. Get to it. <laughs> <laughs> and these are the things that really make this episode kind of stand out like i think we've we've talked about this before in some episodes but th- if this was just a fairy tale episode but they tried to do it with like out with their outside and trying to oh, make yeah. it look real it would just be like a, oh yeah that episode but because of the way they do it like a storybook like the high school play like the you know we got a yeah. barn let's put like, on a show um, if they did it on some like backlot castle set it would just feel like, oh, it's like the fake Mexico or the fake whatever. But this this gives it this other this extra layer of um, surrealness to it that they're kind of uh, going all the way with this uh, putting on a play thing. Yeah, and I think it also lets them get away with a lot more. Like as we'll see in the upcoming episode, it's a 
<laughs> it kind of goes crazy. A little bit. So uh, the boys notice that the princess is in the carriage and that she's stuck in the mud. And then we notice that the princess is played by Mike. Here we are, stuck in the mud in some filthy little town. Help! What a bunch of incompetence. Help! Which leads us to our intro. It was a minute 20, I believe. Like, pretty quick, considering all the stuff they accomplish and everything we learn about what's going on in this episode. And it kind of sets the pace for the rest of this episode, because this is a, there's a lot happening in this episode. <laughs> for real. So uh, we come back to a fairy tale tinged theme, which is nice. Goes along with the other ones in season two. Oh, yeah. So Mike is completely smitten with the princess. Oh, wow. What a great looking chick. And Peter says uh, that she's beautiful. Mickey and Davey tell Mike to cool it over his drooling. <laughs> and, and Mike just says, She's the most beautiful thing I've ever laid eyes on. Those sideburns cool, and that body. Cool, Mike, cool. <laughs> <laughs> what more needs to be said? Mike is let off the leash this episode. Like, I feel like he kind of went a little crazy in this episode in order yeah. to get through it. I think uh, just because it's uh, weird, it's off book, it's like non-formula, and I think he kind of embraced it, like, because he was kind of a proponent for, let's just, please, let's do something different, and he's he gets to do it, and he's like, well, here we go then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he had to make sure when he said, we could do something cool that's different, he had to make sure it was cool and different. <laughs> he made sure yeah, it was cool real. and different. Giddy up. So the horses try to pull the carriage out, and one of the guards is pushing, but they can't get anywhere. I'm heaving! Then hoe a little! All right, I'm hoeing! And uh, the other guard tells the princess that they'll be out of the mud soon, and then he yells at the other dude. And the first dude is a guy named Harold. He's like the main guard, and then the secondary guard's a guy named Richard. And the princess says that someone better get her out of the mud, and Peter sees his chance and asks the princess if he can carry her over the mud. And the she, princess doesn't just, she doesn't just say it, Paco. Oh, no. She she yells it in that yelling mic, you with the hat yeah. <laughs> voice. The, that is just the best. The perfect. Look, somebody better come get me out of this mud. Your typical uh, teeny bopper TV show doesn't have a main character that just, just screams at people in that guttural, <laughs> guttural Wolverine-like voice. <laughs> yeah. The, the princess, she rarely, rarely... Uh, says anything <laughs> she screams everything let's just get that across yep. right now i'm a princess you're nothing but a lowly little peasant a wayward sir the lowest of the low so you've heard of me <laughs> and she says that she'll honor his spine with her feet and tells him to lay down so she can walk over him and so peter hits the deck and the princess walks across him and he says there's a 50 cent toll at the other end and she tells him to be quiet or she'll have him paved <laughs> Honor his spine with her feet. It's a tremendous line. <laughs> That's got to be used in like BDSM dungeons and stuff like that. <laughs> That's what I think. That's where they get it from. <laughs> they have the monkeys yes. playing on one of the TVs. <laughs> this is... <laughs> but just this episode. Uh, Harold, he starts to talk to the princess, but then she loses her effing mind. Hey, lady! Harold, you better get this carriage out of the mud! Yosemite Sam shit going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Richard tells her that the carriage is stuck quite deep in the mud and a twill takes some time. And she says, oh, twill it? And, t and then she says, if she's not out of this town in 10 minutes, she's not going to marry him. Wow, what a bummer. And this guy's her fiance? Like, shouldn't he be a prince? Like, you know what I mean? Is he a prince yeah. that's just her? also her guard? Or is he a guard that's moving on up Jefferson style? Or uh, Sort of, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We're supposed to like not give a shit about this person. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. And here you go again. Yeah. Let's get, let's get the backstory on this guy. That's the problem. They didn't know about podcasting then, and people deep dive on stuff like crazy. <laughs> for real. <laughs> so, you got to wait for the Hulu prequel series. Yeah. About, uh, yeah, Prince Harold. The Babbitt gang. Yeah. A bunch of, about all the, the Mrs. Weefers and uh on the side with the general all these minor characters from back in the day i want to see the jolly green giants uh behind the music oh absolutely <laughs> so 
Harold opens the door for her and she steps on Peter and has, has a hell of a time getting her big pointy hat through the door. She's going back into the carriage. And so she just ends up like crushing it down flat on her head <laughs> to get through. And, uh, and then Harold kicks Peter and steps on him one more time just to totally be a dick. And then Mickey and Davey call him on it and say, that's mean. He's mean. Very mean. Very mean. Mickey gets Peter out of the mud, and then he and Mickey just run away just to get away from the situation. So the guards go to the inn and tell Mickey that they want all this extravagant food, and he tells them that it's just a poor inn and that they don't have such things. And the guard tells him just to order out for sandwiches. Right, sandwiches, yeah. And Mickey does his, like, that voice, like his uh, super <laughs> hipster voice. Proto-Fonz, if, if Mickey were the Fonz. It might have went something like that. So could you imagine if in the 70s, Mickey became the Fonz? Like he, he, he just treated the monkeys like, like a TV show gig and then yeah. went out for the Fonz and got it. That would, that would have been a trip. I mean, I think he mentions it in his book. He had, every time he auditioned for something, this included, I think, they were like, sorry, we're not looking for any drummers. But I think if he got the Fonz gig, he might have been like double typecast, not just as a drummer, but then like, You'd be the Fonz forever instead of just Mickey Dolan's forever. And that might have done something to like the legacy of the monkeys and the attention he put towards it. It might have been, it would have, it would have been a, a, a script changer for the whole, uh, whole thing, I think. I think it just would have made the monkeys the thing that Mickey Dolan's did in the 60s and, and ended, and then that's the end of it. You know what I mean? Because he wouldn't have done the Boys mm-hmm. and Heart tours or anything like that, or he and Davey wouldn't have kept going out doing stuff. Yeah. And, and, or perhaps then if MTV started playing the monkeys again, they'd be like, people have been like, oh my God, it's the Fonz. I forgot about this. And then there's this, another enormous resurgence of monkeys and Fonz goes down for a little while. Or because, because of the nature of happy days, they can bring, they can call up their buddies. They call up the monkeys. They call up uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. They call up uh, <laughs> Little Richard. And they get all that shit back together from 33 to 30. And they, had, they make an appearance on happy days. It's a monkeys reunion. Unhappy days. Oh, man. Fonzie's on the drums and singing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for him, too, for people to be like, no, we're not, we don't want any drummers. He's like, man, five years ago, you were saying we weren't even playing our instruments and I was just an actor. And now you won't take me because <laughs> you don't think I'm an actor. You think I'm a drummer? Like, can't win. But yeah, so anyway, that's, that would be, <laughs> that's our little uh, monkey days <laughs> podcast. Monkey days. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Michael Monkey Days, Mickey Davy Monkey Days, <laughs> Mr. Babbitt Monkey Days, Mrs. <laughs> Weefs, Harold the Prince, coming on down for you. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, and scene. All right. <laughs> yes, where were we? <laughs> so the town, Mickey gets the guy, has to get the guy sandwiches, and the town crier says, See the knights eat food. And we see the guards pigging out and treating Mickey badly in like fast motion. Then the crier says, See them spill their food. And then Davy and Mike bring them more food and they throw it all over the place. And eventually the boys just start bringing in benches and chairs and stuff and stacking them on top of the table in front of the guards. Then they bring in like the lights and like boom poles and stuff from like the crew. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they bring all this stuff in. So then after that, you see Peter standing outside of the window and he overhears Harold telling Richard that uh, he should take the princess to the tower, torture her, kill her, and then kill himself, which <laughs> is a dark turn for the whole episode so far. And then Peter yeah. runs off. I feel Richard just kind of maybe should have been like, I'm with you, but that last part, I don't think is necessary. <laughs> I'm already, we're already down. We're bros. Like, we're ride or die homes. I, I don't need to do that last part. <laughs> and remember, this is like 7.15 on a Monday night. <laughs> we're talking murder-suicide here. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's a little uh, uh, desensitized because of the Vietnam War maybe or something. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, Peter runs up to the princess who's still in the carriage and starts to tell her about Harold but gets interrupted by Harold himself. And then Peter hits the deck in front of the carriage again. (laughs) Harold brings the food to the princess and then she gives Peter her medallion for letting her use his back. And he's happy, but she just tells him it's a piece of junk. (laughs) So don't be so happy about it. (laughs) And then Harold tells the horses to take them away. Let us away. Horses, let us away. Yeah, man, let's 
and uh, off they go. But how did they get the carriage out of the mud? Like all they did was go and get food. <laughs> they didn't try weaseling it out anymore. So maybe the maybe the sun. I, I don't understand. Everything we continue to overthink this. Maybe did they get rid of the mud sign? I think that was the key. <laughs> maybe yeah yeah they probably kicked it over or something. Or they just used Peter as like chains on your tires and just rolled out over. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, later on, Peter's telling the guys about Harold's plot to kill the princess at the castle with an impenetrable dragon. What kind of dragon? Impenetrable dragon. Peter says, impenetrable. <laughs> That's a good pop screen you got working there. Yeah, I know. I can't even do a, a good pop there because <laughs> the screen works so well. Peter could have never done a Porcible Peter's pickles or whatever with this pop screen. He just would have sounded like a weirdo. <laughs> what the fuck did you just call that? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Percival Patterson's pet pig Porky, but I can't wait to hear what you called it. I think that's what I called it, exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the tape later. Yeah. So he says that he's going to miss her when she's gone, and Mickey asks if he could use the medallion, and he says, no, it's made of tin. And then he bites it, and uh, something explodes, and suddenly there's a fairy standing there. Who called the fairy of the locket? Who's a really funny fairy. Like, she's got, like, the low voice, like, how people think people from <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn talk. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Well, it's a little subversive. Had- Instead of, like, the, uh, good witch from the... Good witch from the East who got this real, uh, just badass uh, fairy of the locket. So she asks who called the fairy of the locket, and Peter says he did. And she tells him to call back later because he was getting her hair done. And her hair is indeed like half done. She's got those big curlers on the one side of it. That, that's how low budget this episode is. She yeah. can only afford half a hairdo. Exactly, exactly. So Davy tells her to stop before she disappears. And he tells her that Princess Gwen is in trouble, which I don't even know how they knew that's her name. Because I don't think we've heard it the rest of the episode, but somehow Davy... He, he knows Davey's, all the princesses. Davy's got the script, you see. Davy's got the script. Yeah, I think he just knows all the princesses <laughs> in the area. <laughs> any of them need to be married before midnight or anything? She's got my jacket. <laughs> yeah, even with this uh, fairy tale scene, this fairy tale concept, it's still like a princess needs help, which is the plot to like uh, half the monkeys episodes. Yeah, it all works around that essentially. <laughs> So the fairy uh, doesn't really have anything nice to say about Princess Gwen. The selfish, conceited, overbearing one. Oh, with the Texas accent. But she tells Mike to cut her some shoes that can scale high walls. The shoes that will, sc- will scale. And tells Davy to sew a suit made of mail that nothing can penetrate. I'll sew a suit, send you a suit in the, in the mail. Right. Yeah. And uh, she tells Mickey to forge a kitchen knife into a sword that can cut through iron. Right, forge. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> And Peter asks, well, but what about him? And she says, You shall collect unemployment while your friends are working. <laughs> Jeez. Man, Peter can't get a it, job. I think that's what they told him during the birds and the bees and the monkeys sessions. Ooh, Hey-o. burn, burn, Peter burn. But then she tells him that he'll use all these things and go to the tower and save the princess. But he must not lose, drop, or crush the locket. And Mickey thinks it's because it will lose its magical powers. But the fairy says, No, because I'll be killed, stupid. It's my home. (laughs) The fairy bops herself on the head and she explodes back into the locket. And we hear the the catchphrase, Magic locket. Oh. Okay, if I could jump in for a second. I just had an idea for the magic locket. Rhino Records, listen up. The monkey's magic locket. Like a USB drive, but it's in a locket. It's got all the episodes. It's got the tunes. Magic fucking locket, baby. There you go. Magic locket. I have to say, every time I hear the magic locket little tune, it makes me feel good. I don't know what it is. I, when I, it is it's, it's very satisfying. It is. Even when I just sing it myself, I'm like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Even with that hint of Morrissey on it, yeah. it's still... Uh, Magic locket. (laughs) (laughs) So we see each of the boys creating the things that the fairy told them to make. Davey making the chain mail, Mickey making the sword, Mike making the shoes. Mickey hurts himself with the sword, of course. And then we see Peter getting dressed in jump cuts. And like, it looks like a video game. Like when you're changing somebody's clothes in a video game. Yeah. If he was just shifting his weight 
side to side a little bit. Exactly. It yeah. Perfect. It'd be, it'd be, it would have been, uh, I think that's what uh, the video game companies watched. We're like, you know, that's how you put clothes on somebody. <laughs> you, you read that somewhere? <laughs> I did. It read in a video game monkey monthly. <laughs> the slash in between those two, but it takes the two things you like best and puts them together. Yeah, they shared an office. Yeah. The princess has been taken hostage, and she says that soon her friends will be there to save her. And Harold says, who will save you? And then he rattles off a bunch of people who hate her. Who will save you, Gwen? The nobles hate you. The clergy hate you. The vassals hate you. And the serfs hate you. So who will save you? Who, who, who? And then she says, well, who's left? (laughs) And that's that whole clip. Uh, the mm-hmm. boys are dragging Peter through the forest, and he protests that he doesn't even like the princess anymore. And then Mike goes crazy because <laughs> he still likes the princess. Don't even like her, man. That's the grooviest looking chick I ever saw. It's <laughs> <laughs> quickly, Peter loved He's going to cut off his right arm for her. And then all of a sudden, it's like, meh, nah, I'm not into it. He, he's, he's been stepped on a few times since then. Yeah, yeah. I also think he might have a crush on the fairy. Yeah, well, hey. Why not? What can you do, man? <laughs> So then uh, Mickey does some weird hand motion in front of Mike's face and he goes quiet again. Mickey says that Peter's the only man in the kingdom that can go through everything and save the princess. And Peter says, well, what about the army? And then Mickey tells him, don't make waves. And then they push Peter towards the tower by himself. Catchphrase alert, kids. Catchphrase alert. Yeah, throwing in a catchphrase with like 10 episodes left. It's like... They work hard with this in order for it to be a catchphrase with so little backing. As Peter's walking through the forest, he runs into Little Red Riding Hood, played by Davy, who honestly makes a much uglier girl than I would have thought he would. (laughs) I would have thought if you dress any of the monkeys up, Davy would be the prettiest, but it doesn't work. He's a pretty dude, but he's not a pretty chick. Yeah, apparently. And uh, Peter tells that the big bad wolf has already been to her grandma's and that he's waiting for her there. And she sa- and then he says, Sure, kid, and the cow jumps over the moon. Huh? And then he tra-la-las off. And then back at the end, the boys are sitting around and Mickey says they probably shouldn't have let Peter go to the tower all by himself. And Mike agrees. And Davy says that they should seek a little bit of comfort in their hour of sorrow. And you see that he's sitting with a, like a super hot, curvy babe. But like, I couldn't tell if he's sitting on her lap or if she's sitting on his lap. Because <laughs> they both like intertwined with each other. But what can you do? Davy's going to Dave. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> so then next scene, it's another blonde girl. She walks in front of the camera with a big sandwich board type thing that reads, Another part of the forest. And uh, Peter hears Hansel and Gretel, played by Mickey and Davy, respectively. And each woman Davy plays, he's getting less and less attractive. Yeah, and I think Gretel goes to the same stylist as uh, Red Riding Hood. Yeah, the, who does your hair? The wind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, they see a gingerbread house, and we cut to it, and it's so obviously a tiny little gingerbread house. Like thrown together with parts of people's lunch yeah. when they were on break. Yeah, I think just... the PAs threw that together. And like, don't look at it too long. Okay, cut back to the show. Yeah, yeah. But it, because it's so obvious, it makes it quaint. It's like they know they're not pulling this off, and that's why they're doing it. <laughs> For real. And... uh so Hansel asks Gretel if she wants to eat the house, and she says no. And he says, oh, because you're scared a wicked witch will jump out of the forest and turn us into gingerbread people? And she says no. Sweets make her break out. And then they dance off. And the, the best part is Peter watches them with a big grin, and he turns to the camera and says, this sweet? <laughs> <laughs> so the princess is screaming, oddly enough. Man, you better get me out of here. You're in big trouble. And uh, Richard says that he can't stand the screaming and yelling and the raving. So when are they going to start to torture her? <laughs> and that's the whole scene. And uh, I think uh, you and I were just talking about, like, there's a lot, a lot of commentaries for this episode, or at least, like, two commentaries for this episode. But yeah. uh, they, I think Mike points it out. It's like a just punchline, like, set up, payoff, set up, payoff. And that's kind of that mm-hmm. scene. Just, like, cut to this, they'll do this, cut out of it get back yeah, to the meat and potatoes there's not much uh plot machinations to deal with yeah compared to a typical episode and um listening to those um commentaries like one for mike one for pete like they're they're pretty informative but i think they both admit that this is uh one of their favorite episodes mm-hmm. and uh they also say they don't enjoy watching all the episodes but this one uh this one they really like and um I believe him. Like Peter's Peter's commentary includes a lot of him just watching and laughing. Yeah, but, a lot of Peter giggles. But, 
I think you, if you ask any monkeys fan who's like you know fan enough to like watch the whole show, like it, this is in their top five episodes of the monkeys. If you ask him off the top of your head, so in the forest, Peter sees Goldilocks played by Mickey, and all these guys make ugly women. They're all ugly, <laughs> and uh, she says that actually, you know what? Maybe Peter would make a really pretty girl because I haven't seen him as a girl in this episode. It's the other three all play ladies except for him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Pete gets Pete gets away with just playing the main character in this one. Yeah, it's nice. And uh, so she, uh, Goldilocks says that she's sleepy and hungry. And is going to go to that house over there. And Peter warns her that three bears live there. And when they find out she's been there, she won't. They won't be happy. And uh, she tells him that she's not worried. And he asks why. And she says, "Cause I'm a mean little girl." And like gets three <laughs> times the size of herself and squishes Peter down essentially with her eyeballs. <laughs> And uh, so Peter approaches the tower, and the dragon is there protect, to protect it. And we got to take a minute for this dragon. It's hilarious. Like, just to oh see this dragon. It's got, like, the Chinese dragon head. But then it's wearing, yeah. like, like, like little kid footy pajamas, <laughs> essentially, uh, is its body. It couldn't get the rest <laughs> of the, the costume, I guess, or people to put in it. Yeah. So I, it's just the head and... Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. It, who, do, who do you think might be in that dragon? Who knows? It's Steven Stills or something. Oh, maybe, but oh, hang on. Is somebody at the, the Podcast Valley door? Hey, guys. It's me, Rodney from The Rock. <laughs> Rodney, how you been, man? Good, man. It was me in there. You can tell if I wasn't wearing the big mask, you'd probably say, it's Rodney from The Rock. No way. Know. I'm telling I had, you, man. I had not read that anyway, Rodney. I'm not sure this is a legitimate T. It's it's canon, man. You know, if you could tell, you could if you could see my hair, you'd know it was me because I knew what kind of shampoo Brian Jones used. And, and everybody knew me as the guy who knew that. And don't tell That him. is definitely canon. Head and shoulders. I'm just saying. I'm just wow. saying. Everyone should have been using it. But anyway, so you could so you couldn't even get the back of your head in this episode. I tried, man. I kept telling them, "If you want to know it's me, show my hair." And they're like, "No, it, this dragon looks real enough, so forget." Huh? How about that? Oh, you, you hear that? It sounds like the porpoise song. That means uh, you're done, Rodney. All right, goodbye, goodbye from Rodney on the run. Okay, Rod. My goodness. Wow. It's always good. Oh, always a good time when he stops by. It always is. It always is. Yeah. So back to this dragon. It's it, its mouth is connected to a string that he uses his right hand to open open and close. And none of it syncs up with the words at all. It's just his mouth flapping around. So Peter comes out pretty hot with his sword and the dragon tells him to put that away. He's seen enough violence in his life. And uh We'll say right now that it's voiced by James Frawley. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also like, if I didn't know Rodney was in there, I would have hoped James Frawley was in there. But, but <laughs> So Peter says that that's refreshing, and he puts his sword away. And the dragon says that he'll ask Peter a riddle, and if he gets it right, he can go in. And Peter says he's bad at riddles, and the dragon asks if he's better at getting eaten. <laughs> 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 so uh, the dragon asks the riddle. What has two of you? Two eyes and a very short life. I don't know. That's close enough. So mm. then the dragon lowers the weakest drawbridge in the history of drawbridges. It's like Thwap. three meter sticks taped together, essentially. <laughs> and it just goes splat on the ground. And then Peter goes across and he goes into the castle. And the dragon says, he's all yours, Richard. And uh, the secondary <laughs> guard guy comes around the corner and traps Peter essentially, which leads us right mm-hmm. to the commercials. And uh, so we come back from the commercial, and Richard has a mask on, and he's hitting Peter with a mace, but nothing's happening to Peter because of. And Richard uses then Richard uses a stick with a ball on it with spikes, but nothing can hurt Peter. And finally, Richard takes out his sword and tries to stab Peter, but you know it's not happening. Picks up a shield, starts hitting Peter with it. Richard's just not getting it. I think once, you, nope. t- even when you get to the stabbing and you can't stab him with a sword, just don't try to hit him with your shield at this point. 
It's, it's just sad. It's like he it's like he ain't never even heard of a magic locket. Yeah, exactly. Dummy. So he finally clues in and runs away, and Peter looks up at the tower, which is stock footage of the Empire State Building. And uh, he says, that's where the princess must be languishing. And in the tower, the princess is indeed languishing in a dimly lit lit cell, spirit unbroken. Yes, here I am, languish, languish. In a dim lit cell. The cell is so dimly lit. With her spirit unbroken. Man, you better get me out of here. You're in big trouble. So Peter starts climbing the side of the building Batman style using using the shoes (laughs) that Mike made. And uh, he tells the princess that he's coming to save her. And she tells him to use the service entrance, peasant. <laughs> Horrible okay. princess. Not, not, not all of our listeners might be connoisseurs of 60s television like you and I. Uh, Batman-style climbing is when you turn the camera at a 90-degree angle. And you're walking and you're crouching and you're, you're, you're like pulling a line. So it looks like you're climbing up a, a grappling rope up the side of a building. That's what we talk about when we talk about Batman style. Uh, go on, Parker. Thank you. Peter gets inside and he tells her to follow him out the window. And, she's, <laughs> and she says she's not going out the window because she's afraid of heights. And he says there's nothing to fear as long as he has this magic locket. And then she realizes it's a locket she just gave him that she thought was junk. So she demands it back. <laughs> Fork it over, buster. So Harold and Richard understand what's going on inside and that Peter's in there in the cell. And Harold tells Richard to grab them. And Richard says, why should he do that? They're already in prison. And then Harold tells him to do as he says. But he really does have a point. And also, Harold told Richard to kill himself. So <laughs> why is Richard going to do anything that will lead to that part of the plan? So Peter says, tells the princess that he will protect her, but he can't get the sword out. His, his sword's stuck and he asks for the locket back. And the princess will have no part of that. And then Peter gets surrounded and Richard tells the princess that he's planned a torturous, painful death. And she tells him that this means they're through. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back at the inn, the town crier is literally crying. And uh, he tells the boys that Peter's going to be executed. And Davy asks when. And the, the crier tells him that it doesn't say and they're going to have to wait for the late edition. And the boys split. <laughs> so Peter and the princess are all locked up. And she accuses him of touching her, even though they're like chained up and he has his hands above his head. (laughs) And uh, that's all that scene is. And then in the forest, (laughs) the boys are walking around and Mike says that they've been looking for this tower for three days and that they might get lost. Three days. Dang. And uh, so Mickey says that uh, they could all split up and leave a trail of breadcrumbs behind them. And he has like a can of breadcrumbs. And then they just have to follow the crumbs. And Mike says, well, what if the birds eat all the crumbs? And Mickey says, you follow the birds. And so then they all split up and go their own way. So the girl with the sandwich board comes back out again, and it reads, yet another part of the forest. And Little Red Riding Hood and Mickey bump into each other. And Mickey says that he thinks her grandmother's been eaten by the big bad wolf. And she says she knows she's going to her other grandmother's. And just off she goes. (laughs) Problem solved. Goldilocks runs into Davy screaming and says that two bears are chasing her from the house. And Davy says he thought it was three bears. And she says, Yeah, well, a papa bear kind of wanted me to hang around. <laughs> Damn. Weird all over Goldie the place. Locks. Weird all over the place, that, that comment. Eh. And so the, the boys get to the tower, and the dragon instantly scares them away. <laughs> and so uh, the princess asks <laughs> Peter what he thinks uh, they're going to do with them. And they both agree that they'd never kill the princess, and it must be some kind of joke. And then Harold says, it's time to die. And Peter says, so then let's laugh it up. (laughs) So the boys are with the dragon and he asks them what has six eyes, six ears and a short life. And Mickey replies, three dumb peasants. Oh, that's right. And the dragon yells to lower the drawbridge and they go inside. (laughs) So at at the top of the tower, the princess is screaming, oddly enough. And Harold is about to kill her. And he says, goodbye and good riddance. And she asks, who's going to feed their goldfish? And suddenly, Mickey, Davy, and Mike jump in to save them, and Peter's so excited he forgets who he is. Mickey, Davy, Peter, uh, Mike, you've come. (laughs) (laughs) And Harold tells the princess to get out of here because there's no place for a woman and it's man's work. But that's really the perfect opportunity to kill her. If he's like, he's about to kill her, and all of a sudden a fight breaks, he's like, oh my goodness, you better get out of here. Don't get hurt for crying out loud. (laughs) <laughs> you can't die before I get to kill you. Exactly. Yeah, it's right. He probably wants the, 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 the satisfaction of doing it himself, not some stray <laughs> sword getting her. 
<laughs> and and maybe also they just put that in there because it'd be tricky to have two mics in there if they want to do a wide shot of people killing each other. True, also true. <laughs> so you can't get Rodney out. Of, they can't get Rodney out of the dragon suit that time. Yeah, the zipper was stuck. <laughs> I had to go to the whiskey with that stupid dragon head on. Everyone thought they were freaking out on LSD. <laughs> I thought he left. Lots of shitty dragons. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks again, Rodney. We'll All right, you. I'm out of here. Goodbye. We'll see you soon. Ooh, so we he left some edibles. <laughs> Don't eat those. <laughs> Too late. So then we get some uh, stock footage of like people in the night's time climbing walls and things like that. And Peter and Harold are in some kind of sword fight for a little bit. The princess is screaming. The real Mike is just like air punching, and Davy calls him out on it. Can you fight till I'm doing all the fighting? Hooray for Davy! And then Mickey yells to Peter and says, "What about the locket?" Hooray for Mickey! Peter says that the princess took it back, and Harold tells him that he's basically a non-violent person. And Peter says that's refreshing. And uh, then they put their swords down and start to arm wrestle each other. Hooray for Peter! The princess is stoked that people are fighting for her honor. But she says it's a bunch of long-haired weirdos and some vicious people. And uh, Peter says that he's losing the arm wrestling. And the princess says, well, if he's going to lose the fight, then he can have the locket. And then she throws it to him. Uh, Peter catches it and wins the arm wrestling match. And Harold gives up. And Richard says that if he's giving up, then he's going to give up. Hooray for the good guys. And uh, there's much rejoicing. And the boys start to sing a song. And it's just fantastic. Little song here, Robin Men, Robin Men, riding through the woods. So we cut to the princess who's yelling at Harold, and he's tied up, and she goes over to Peter, and she says that she'll grant any wish he desires. And he asks the boys what he should ask for, and Mike once again is too smitten to keep it together. Yeah, go ahead and ask her to marry you, man. What a groovy looking chick with a body like that. I've yeah, never seen no son. Go ahead and ask her to marry you. And then Peter says that he's too young to get married, and Mike thinks it's hilarious. Oh, man, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and again, I think that's a real like reaction from Mike Nesmith in the moment. I don't think it's a oh, yeah. scripted laugh. Because like, Mike, Mike himself is already married, and, and uh, Pete, Davey was secretly married shortly before this episode. And, uh, and uh, I think Peter's the oldest one uh, secretly at this time as well. Yeah, true. Cause I, I think we're led to believe Mike is the oldest, but I think in real life, Peter's the oldest. Yeah, exactly. So Peter um, finally asks if she'll marry him, and then she drops the princess voice and says that she can't marry him, and she takes off the hat and wig, and Peter's blown away that it's Mike. Princess, will you marry me? No, I won't marry you. You won't marry me? Of course not. Why won't you marry Michael? Yeah, I'm already married, man. You know, Phyllis and Christian and my little kids. And then another Mike can't believe that Princess Mike is married. Oh, wow. She's married, man. What a Oh. <laughs> and uh heartbreaking yeah and the story part of the episode ends with the boys addressing the camera and walking off and it's a it's a pretty funny little bit they do well that wraps up another laugh riot and this is mike nesmith mickey dolans and peter tom and davy jones and mickey dolans reminding you to save the texas prairie chicken here we go and they go around like five times like one of them says their name twice Yep. Oh, it's Mike because he's with Mike, Mickey, and Davy, and then he's in the other one with, with Peter in the other shot. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then at the end, uh, it's an interview with the boys at the pad, and Frawley's asking them about Mike dressing up as the princess, and he asks what Mike thinks his son Christian's reaction will be, and uh, of course he's meeting his son Christian, but then Davy says, "Oh, it'll be the same as a Jew's reaction." They already what do you think Christian's reaction is going to be. God, same as a Jew, I should suppose. It's a fantastic play on words. It goes over Mickey's head. That didn't make any sense at all. You think it would have got caught in his hair. Yeah, maybe. And then Dave explains it to him, and Mickey thinks it's hilarious, finally gets on board. He says, what would a Christian's reaction be? (laughs) (laughs) And then Frawley asks Mike how he feels about dressing up, and Mike says that he doesn't recognize that it even happened. Well, I failed to recognize that I really did that, you know. Why, Michael? (laughs) I think Davey calls Mike Michael. At one point during this little thing. And I think that's like the only time that ever, ever happens. See, that's and, funny. Because um, Mike always refers think, to Davy as David. 
Maybe it's kind of a, a play on that. But uh, I think Mike mentions in the commentary that the suit uh, was previously uh, worn by Marlon Brando. Didn't remember what movie, but the wardrobe people cut it down so uh, it would fit Mike. Yeah, there's no way Marlon Brando's fitting into a 68 Nesmith suit at any point in Brando's career. <laughs> that is a fine suit. I think we see it again, and I think it's in uh, the movie Head a couple times. Yeah, it's he, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Mike Nesmith can wear a suit. Like, he he looks fantastic in suits. Dude rocks a suit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one other thing that Davy says that he played Gretel, and they asked how it felt, and he said it felt very Gretel. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we go, uh, the musical number in this is uh, Daily Nightly, which we we saw a couple episodes ago, so we won't get super deep into it, but... Uh, I, one thing I've kind of noticed about it and, and thought about while watching it this time is it would have a completely different vibe if it was shot in color instead of the black and white. Oh, definitely. Cause it like, uh, yeah, it's got this mysterious vibe. And, uh, if you look online, you could find set pictures. They're actually at the monkey's pad. Like you can see the, the cigar store Indian in the background and all this. And, um, Mike is actually... He's holding, it looks like he's hugging this sort of space age fireplace or something, but it's, it's a ladder with like, well, it looks like a space heater, but it might be a speaker for the Moog. I'm not sure. But if you find a picture online, he's just, he's just hugging a ladder this whole, in this whole uh, little video. That's funny. I see. I didn't even know it was at the pad. I, I, cause it just drops right off black, mostly behind them. So it's a, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really, really, really cool, interesting video. And it must have been done like in only like one or two takes because it's just really Mickey's the only one doing anything in the video. Yeah, for real. And uh, yeah, a couple of like sort of those close-up overhead shots of Mickey. Yeah, it looks like it was probably banged out in an hour or something. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, you might recognize those duds when they they got uh, pictures of them wearing those on Paco, on the cover of Paco's favorite slice of monkey vinyl. That's right, folks. D.W. Washburn backed with it's a nice to be with you man what it the best thing about that record is those clothes they wear on, on the, the cover of it <laughs> <laughs> and also just to uh, beat a dead horse i still can't believe oh, that man. daily nightly was not on the psychedelic record that the monkeys put out a couple years ago which, which put all their psychedelic songs together has she on there but does not have daily nightly which is a travesty because I feel to hear Daily Nightly without hearing Star Collector together just feels weird. It's like yeah. having an open-faced sandwich. It's just like, what is this? <laughs> what 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 is it? What are we saving? You're definitely bread? right. The two uh, the two synthesizer songs are kind of like uh, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, and then one of the, you listen to one of them, it makes you want to hear the other one. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like splitting up twins. It's like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> That's the, that's the whole episode right there. It ends with Daily Nightly. Hey man. Overall, we've kind of mentioned it before, but this classic episode, it, it, it's uh, one of the fans' favorites one, and the monkeys' favorites as well, as we heard from the commentaries. Yeah, and this is um, it's what we talk about when we talk about season two of the monkeys. Like, just bizarre stuff, uh, a weird tune, and a lot, of, a lot of silly jokes, a little risque here and there. And just um, a lot of fun all around. And it doesn't stick to the formula. And it's a good time. Yeah. And it's almost like it's a much better episode than it deserves to be on paper. Like reading it, like, okay, this will be all (laughs) right. Absolutely. And they just did so much more with so little and made it so memorable. Even like the goofy drawbridge and the dragon body. (laughs) If they were better, it would be worse. Yeah, it's uh, greater than the sum of its parts, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would love to know how this one came about and got made and how they kind of pitched this one to happen because it's, uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great all around. It's also great. Uh, yeah. One of Mike's most hilarious performances in the entire series as the princess. Absolutely. And it's great that Peter gets the lead. He, he, it's a Peter episode, essentially, even though Mike kind of steals the spotlight because he's so hilarious, but it's a Peter episode. Oh, yeah. And even though Davey doesn't get much to do in this episode, he still hits on that pretty bird sitting on his lap or him sitting on her lap or whatever. So who can't help it. Yeah. One thing with this episode, no romp. 
at all. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, I think the part where the boys are bringing the food out to the guys and it's fast motion, it's it's romp esque. It's rompy, but there's no song with it really, like no monkey song with it. Yeah, I guess maybe they didn't put the song with it because they got Regis to narrate the thing and they didn't want to stick, you know, yeah, a song into that and kind of we're paying for this narrator guy with the million dollar voice for some reason, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, also with this, if this was in the first season, it would have been like All the King's Horses or something would have been the romp song because mm. it would have fit in. Uh, absolutely. But I, I thought for sure the romp was coming once they all start fighting because that's when the romp happens. Like the goofy fights sure. lead to the romp. and, and uh, the, it's That's just, true too. But then that was also the hooray for Peter and all that, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, Regis Cordic so, uh, de-romped yeah, they us. To keep it, they wanted to keep that fairy tale narration theme throughout and you know maybe that's it if that guy's something to do yeah and uh, one thing i was thinking too in this episode when you brought up uh davy was secretly married and this and that that might be the reason why davy isn't chasing the birds like crazy in the second season because <laughs> he's got a little woman at home and he's like no i can't be a bird chaser anymore. Got, one, got one back at the nest thanks exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i think that could be it we're always wondering why davy doesn't uh chase the birds anymore Could be, so man. uh guns i think yeah i think it got by me again i was gonna say there's no guns in this episode but there is right yeah there is mickey's got a big like musket thing when they're uh in when they're fighting when mike's like That's air punching right. and stuff he's got a huge musket <laughs> um highlight of the show for me it, it's either anything mike does as the princess whenever he's screaming yeah. Or or the Davy uh, Christian Jew joke at the end is pretty funny because it's like an off the cuff joke. That was sharp. Like Davy's got a sharp comic mind. Yeah, he does because he's right on it, and it was so sharp it went right through Mickey. Like he didn't even get it. <laughs> <laughs> like a diver that doesn't make a splash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the in the Coneheads movie when the girl dies. There. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, was stay tuned for our Coneheads podcast <laughs> coming up in twenty twenty seven. I, I think know. so. We'll I think it's just going to be a Dan Aykroyd retrospective. Oh boy, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Um, was there a monkey's ruse? Not really. But if you're really reaching and you really want there to be a ruse, you could say Mike is the princess. But that's not a ruse. Um, fourth wall break. Uh, when the boys are bringing the gear in from like the big lights and all that stuff. <laughs> yes, and definitely. That's uh, bringing the fourth wall into the uh, into the set. Yeah, it's almost like you're going through. Like the fourth wall went past you, and you're now like in the <laughs> fifth wall. You're like on the sidewalk. It's like a Pentagon, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, when Peter says "sweet" after Hansel and Gretel leave, he looks right at the camera and says it. That was pretty cute. Uh, best musical moment is Daily Nightly because it's the only musical moment. But if I'm not going to say that, I would say the monkey's theme in the fairy tale style at the beginning of the show would be a, is a, a one of a kind musical moment. Hmm. That is true too. Oh, uh, did you mention in the fourth wall when they're uh, they say goodbye at the end and Mike does his little recap? That's right. Yeah, and they'll yeah. say their names wrong. That's they're talking to us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I feel like there's always way more fourth wall breaks than I bring up, but because there's so, there's such a part of the show, it goes right past me. Yeah, you're just hanging out with the monkeys. It's like, uh, it's it's part of how we interact with them. Yeah. <laughs> Any classic monkeys moments like catchphrases and things? Uh, Don't make waves has made its inaugural yeah. appearance. <laughs> uh, what wouldn't fly in 2022? Um, first time we've said 2022 and also nothing. It's pretty, it's a pretty tame episode. Fairy tales. Yeah, man. Maybe, um, maybe, you know, fairy tale parodies hadn't quite been done to death yet. I mean, yeah. this, these things are about a hundred, couple hundred years old already. This is still 50 years ago, but you know, there's been a lot of, uh, DreamWorks movies and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Such as, oh, I don't know, Shrek, let's say. <laughs> you want to talk about monkeys and fairy tales. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They bastardized a fairy tale and a monkey song all in one movie. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's a half ice. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, stop it. 
Smash Mouth. What an yeah. appropriately named band. But anyway. <laughs> um, so we're in the Did You Knows. Uh, this is the fourth and final episode to feature a monkey playing dual roles. I should have looked huh. up the other three. I did not. I, I can't. It well, feels there's like there's Prince, been more. Prince and the Popper. There's Monkey is versus Machine. Prince and Popper when there's two Davies. Yeah. Does it count when Mickey's in the dress getting hit on by the general? I don't think so because that's, that's still Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody knows the, the, the fourth one, let us know. Um, here's a, a recent little did you know here. Uh, the day, not the day, but the week Mike passed away. Something called Me TV aired four Monkeys episodes as a tribute, and this was one of them. The other three were I've Got a Little Song Here, Monkey Mare, and Monkeys in Texas. Ah, so that's oh, Monkeys in Texas with the phone off the wall thing. This is a that's a tight little group of Monkey episodes to watch, and uh, yeah, Me TV is like a, an antenna TV channel that plays a lot of old shows and old movies, so it's right up their alley. And I don't know if they still do, but they used to play the Monkeys every Sunday. Oh really? But this is definitely their kind of thing to pay tribute to Mike like this. That's cool, and 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 good episodes to pay Mike tribute with, like very good. Absolutely. Okay, so now we'll get into the uh, the actors here. Regis Cordick, the town crier, he has a hundred and twelve credits, and most of them Jeez. are uh, voice credits, like almost all of them. He's like Transformers, Smurfs, Scooby Doo, anything. He uh, he's golden throated, for real. Um, Harold was played by Murray Roman. He only has eight credits to his name, but one of those credits, he played a guy named Super Dude. And that's, <laughs> I just changed my real name if I got that. How do you, <laughs> how do you beat that? You, you, that's why he stopped. That was it. For real. Eight credits in, your Super Dude's like, okay, just so you know, this is my retirement party. I'm done. Uh-huh. Super Dude is out. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's it. It's over. Um, Richard was played by a guy named John Lawrence. He has 81 credits. A lot of them are just like smaller credits, like Matlock. He's like an NBC bit player. So it seems anyways. Oh yeah. One of those lifetime contract guys. Exactly. Which in all honesty, man, that'd be a, not a bad route to go unless you really want it to be like Brando or something. And it's just like, you're only a bit player. But <laughs> if you just wanted to act and do it, that's a radical thing to get into. I think. Yeah, I think there'd be sort of a supply teacher aspect to it. Kind of waiting by the phone. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But then there's also, you don't have the pressures of stuff. You know, you don't have to carry the show. Yeah. You don't, you can still walk you know down your, the street. You know your spot. Yeah. You know what you're capable of. Usually these character types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 sweet gig. If I want something from the grocery store, you just go and get it and you're fine. No one, no one's hassling you. <laughs> and uh, the fairy of the locket, her name is Diane Shallot, and she has 39 credits to her name. Nothing Not that'll bad. blow your face off. But yeah, so there we go. That is fairy tale. And uh, ooh, I hear something. I've, first wow. time in 2022 I've heard it. God damn, it's been a minute. Here we go. It is the Randomatic Countdown featuring the Wool Hat of Mystery coming out of hiding. Nailed it. So, um, I think I go first this week. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. So I'm going to reach in here and find something. And we've got early morning blues and greens. A colorful Ooh. pick. A colorful pick this week. Nicely. That's a, that's a good cut. I got I to gotta admit, I've gotta, I'm not super uh, aware of it. I've got to check it out. Oh, really? Oh, oh well, real quick, Paco. Um Knowing, I'll, I'll tell you, here's a hint. It's a Davy song. Okay. So um, before we listen, before we uh, review it, uh, what do you think this song sounds like? Early morning blues and greens. Early yeah. morning blues and greens. You don't know what it means to me in the morning. Makes me feel so blue and green, blue and green. <laughs> Is that it? I think I nailed it. I, I you got like thirty percent correct. <laughs> and disappear in firelight. And sleep alone again tonight. The words, just the the title. I think. No, it does, the title does not appear in this actual song. 
<laughs> but still. Was it written by Mike Nesmith? What's going on here? <laughs> Surprisingly, no. It was written by uh, Diane Keller and Jack Hillebrand. Actually, Diane put out a, put out a version of her own uh, around this time. And disappear in Diane Hillebrand, you might remember we were talking about her because she's the lyricist for Going Down. But uh, yeah, her and Jack Keller presented this to the monkeys around the, this is Pisces, Aquarius, and Capricorn and Jones times. And it's just a sweet kind of a, a bossa nova, kind of a genre change up that they like to do about once a side where uh, they do something that's not, a little less rock and roll just to kind of uh, add a different flavor to the proceedings. And to give Davey something uh, that he really knows, he can really sink his teeth into these chops. <laughs> yeah, and as he really gets into it, and it's, it's kind of like an acting, <laughs> acting vibe. He really gets into the, sort of the character of the song. Yeah, yeah, and that's his. That's definitely his wheelhouse for sure. Peter does a version of uh, "Early Morning Blues and Greens" later on with his band uh, Shoe Suede Blues, because uh, Peter's always been kind of fond of this tune, and. Uh, Finally laid it down himself. So uh, do seek that out alongside your Diane Hildebrand version of uh, Early Morning Blues and Greens, which has a sick, sick bass line. Yeah, it should have been on, like, Changes. That Changes bass. And disappear in firelight And sleep alone again tonight where do you think you'd want to uh, stick it in the old countdown here, Paco? All right. I would say I would put this between Shades of Grey and Good Times at number 70 is where I think early morning blues and greens should slide in. These are pretty good tunes in like the, the 60s and 70s. There's, there's a lot of good monkeys tunes out there, folks. What can we say? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think yeah, the reshuffle will be quite a, a thing. I feel when we before we lock this down, <laughs> they they can't all be top twenty. There's a few that won't be. We know, but uh, anyway, pass that hat over here, Paco. It's time for this guy to pick a tune. All right, man, reach on in. What you getting? Oh, no, that's a whoop. That's that's a fortune cookie. Fortune. No, it's no. It's hold on a second. It's a, uh, I'll be back upon my feet. I'll be back upon my feet. I'll be back upon my feet. Chase the morning sun to find my one and only you. I'll be back upon my feet. I'll be back upon my feet. Looking high and I'm looking low. When I find my boots, I know I gotta go. So yeah, I'll be back upon my feet. Sung by Mickey Dolans. And backgrounds by... I'm pretty sure most of the rest of the monkeys. Um, it's written by Sandy Linzer and Denny Randell, whose names you might remember because they perpetrated the day we fall in love on us. <laughs> Not too many episodes ago, I believe. That's a, that's a, a song. It's like, I can't believe someone actually wrote it. Like someone like wrote the <laughs> words down on paper or something like that. And they just super like, Dave, just go in there and woo us. And took credit for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, this tune is considerably better. Um, it came up in the show a few times. It's got that uh, um, the McDonald's straw sound in the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like it appears earlier in the show, I think in the uh, boxing episode. Yeah. <laughs> alongside Laugh, the Eye of the Tiger of 1967. The one-two punch, um, yeah. And, uh, but the show version doesn't show up until Missing Links Volume 2, yeah. I believe. Which got, <laughs> God damn, what a solid album. But <laughs> It really is. <laughs> the McDonald's Straw, I believe, appears on The Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys when the boys um, redo the song more to their own specifications. It's a little different, but it's still pretty much the same tune. Yeah. And it's it's decent. It's very monkey-esque. Works on the show. And it's, it's catchy and it's uh, kind of fun. I really feel, yeah, the melody for this 
it's just perfect. It's like it's like a, like a hot knife through warm butter, essentially. It's just like a perfect melody. It everywhere it goes, you're just like, yep, that was the perfect next note to hit from that first note. Yeah. And you just get right through the song in a great way. It's a fantastic, I think. And like the the pre-chorus, when you don't have to have to drop, like that kind of mirroring and harmony. It's it's really cool how they pull it off. I and, agree. Um, it's decent. I don't. I don't. I don't love it, but I'm not going to bury it. So uh, let's let's go on over to the randomatic account countdown. And see where we go. Put it today. Mm-hmm. I say, let's see here. Let's put it just up under its uh, birds, bees, and a monkey's uh, roommate, the poster, uh, which puts it just ahead of the uh, the song "Little Girl," which appears on Monkey's present present. And so, yeah, our new number 77 is I'll Be Back Upon My Feet. Here you go. Yeah, it's, by the monkeys. I'm kind of surprised. It, it, it's, it's lower than early morning blues and greens. <laughs> <laughs> don't, Not by don't worry much. About that. Not by much, but it's there. Not by a whole lot. But I personally, I do prefer, you know, I prefer your version of early morning early morning birds and birds. I'd put that in the 40s if we were talking about the Paco version yeah. of most of these songs. I think they'd all finish around uh, 41. Yeah, exactly. I agree. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to take the last slip of paper out of this wool hat for us and see where we're going to end up with this one. And I have got, who from the first album, I'll Be True to You, another Davy Jones jam. Oh, boy. It definitely sounds like a Davy. It just, yeah, just you know that's not gonna be a Peter song. I'll be true to you, yes I will. I'll be true to you, yes I will. Okay, so I'll be true to you from the Monkees' first album, The Monkees. It's another Davy Jones and the Bridge just does a little bit of talking again. That's <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of Davy Jones fellow talk. We just got done mentioning the day we fall in love. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's the bridge where you continue to fall in love with Davy Jones. Yeah. He he can't stop just being like, Hey, you know what, babe? <laughs> <laughs> um, this was written by uh, Jerry Goffin and Russ Teitelman. Uh, I guess uh, Carol King called in sick that day, and um, Russ Teitelman is actually a pretty famous record producer. In the grand scheme of things, he got a Grammy for uh, producing Steve Winwood's hit single "Higher Love" in the '80s, hmm. and got a couple more Grammys for producing some like uh, '90s-ish Eric Clapton albums. But I'll try not to hold that against him. <laughs> Where would you put this? Uh, I mean. I do kind of dig it. Like it's got kind of that folky pop rock, a little more rock and roll than a typical Davy song throughout parts of it. I mean, I think the Hollies do a version of this. It's got a little more rock and roll than we used to, but the, but I think it loses points for the monologue, but it gains a couple points for the very Beatlesque ooh at the end. I guess. That was well executed. Come on. I w- then you'd probably put it a lot higher than I was going to put it. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you jellifying this number, Paco? Oh, baby, yes. This is a. <laughs> <laughs> well, you pulled it. You we, stick it. You you can you can retort things, but I was going to say this is going to go after. Do you feel it too? And before this, just doesn't seem to be my day at the hot number of one hundred. Hot one hundred. That's where I was going to put uh, this. Yeah, one. I got. It. <laughs> I got no specific personal attachment to this tune. I'll I'll allow it. All right. We have a a new number 100 (laughs) with a flop. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be true to you. I think for me, it's because it it doesn't, there is the ooh at the very end, but I need more than one (laughs) ooh at the very end. Like even the, uh, you know what it, it was? It, the the solo of it kind of reminds me of a solo that the Wonders do in that thing you do, <laughs> and 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 that was kind of like a thing that made me kind of happy because who doesn't love that thing you do? But uh, you get a head, little. I saw a little head bob going while you're listening to the song there, Fox. It was at that point. It must have been. It must have been. You got a little Shades Patterson going on there. Yeah, but uh, it, it wasn't enough. 
One ooh just won't do. So that's it. Our your new number one hundred is I'll be true to you. I'll be true to you. Yes, I will. Uh, you want to count down to top one hundred real quick while we get into it? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, folks. <laughs> and see, that's on the first album, which like I feel like we're familiar with, but exactly this song did not stick with me. And I think that's a, one of the main reasons. Another reason why I'm like. You know, I've listened to that record so many times, and I just got that super deluxe version of it too, and to listen to it, and I didn't even recognize the song when I pulled it. So, Jesus, it's got nothing. It's got nothing on me. Did you listen to that whole thing yet? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. The second disc is pretty cool. It's got some nice little gems, and it's just, just, it's a, it's neat to have a brand new version of that album. Like just the album cover Fuck itself. Yeah. It's like, wow, look at this, how shiny it is. <laughs> it's, it's not from the '60s. Yeah, it doesn't have somebody's name written on it in pen. <laughs> okay and then that's it that's our top not our top three that's for sure but that's our new three (laughs) in the countdown i've got to say like we were saying i kind of like the fact we're not getting all jams right at the end so we're stuck with a bunch of sludge (laughs) that we got to pull out of the hat so yeah man i'm all for that so this was this is a good episode of the monkeys, an all a funny uh, randomatic countdown. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, man. That's it. I hope you guys dug it. I hope check out some more shows. Leave us some comments. Tell your friends all about us. Cause let's face it, we're in the last ten episodes now, so we're down to the nits Ooh. and grits. Yeah, buddy. All right. So from me, Paco, and me, Jeff. Have yourselves a monkey's little evening. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>